Shalom everyone, this is Kalev Ben-Dor from Jerusalem. Today's chapter is Shmuel Bet, chapter 10. And we find ourselves learning about a series of military battles. The chapter begins with the death of the king of Ammon, Nachash, and David's decision to send condolences to his son, Hanun, due to the kindness his father had shown him. Now we've come across a king of Ammon called Nachash before, he doesn't seem like a particularly kind type of monarch. For those who might remember, at the beginning of Shaul's reign, Nachash, king of Ammon, threatens to gouge out the eyes of the men of Jabesh Gilad. So what kindness can David be referring to? I haven't come across a good solution to this issue. It is possible that it's a different king Nachash of Ammon but it's probably less than 20 years since the Shaul story of Jabesh Gilad, so that's unlikely. Some suggest that because at one stage both Nachash and David have been enemies of Shaul, that perhaps they cooperated. I guess that's possible. There's a very strange midrash which tries to resolve the seeming contradiction. The text tells us that while he's fleeing from Shaul, David leaves his family with the king of Moab. Yet we never hear of his family again. And in chapter 8, we read about how David fought against the Moabites. The Midrash relates that the king of Moab kills David's entire family, apart from one brother who escapes and receives asylum with Nachash, king of Ammon. And it's this kindness that David is talking about. As one of my teachers would say, it's a bit of a stretch kvetch. Although why David would fight Moab after previously leaving his family with the king is also difficult to answer. But regardless, Hanun, Nachash's son, gets bad advice from his princes who tell, David, who tell him David's servants are not coming in good faith, but rather are looking to spy out the land. Hanun humiliates the servants, shaving off half their beard as well as cutting their garments in the middle, even to the buttocks, and then sending them away. David meets the servants on their way back and tells them to stay in Yericho until their beards grow back. He also decides that it's time for war. The Ammonites hire Arameans of Betrehov and Zoba, as well as the king of Macha and the men of Tov to fight against David and his army led by Yav ben Seruya. We've read about battles involving Aram in chapter 8, and some believe this is part of the same battle. As Yav's army approaches the forces of the Ammonites, they end up getting trapped between the Ammonites and the armies of Aram. Yav divides his army into two, giving the other half to Avishai, his brother. And then we have this wonderful speech by Yoav, if the Arameans be too strong for me, then you shall help me. But if the children of Ammon be too strong for you, then I will come and help you. Be of good courage. And let us prove strong for our people and for the cities of our God. And the Lord will do what seems good in his eyes.
We, Yoav says, are fighting for our people and for the cities of our God. Be strong, Avishai, and let us do our best. And hopefully, God will help us. Yoav's group does battle against Aram and is successful. And once Aram begins to flee, Ammon also flees before Avishai's unit and run back into their city, at which point we're told Yoav returns to Jerusalem. The Arameans from the north then seem to regroup. David then gathers an army, crosses the Jordan, goes out to meet them, winning a great victory, including the destruction of 700 drivers of chariots and 40,000 horsemen. It's noteworthy that David destroys the chariots rather than incorporating them into his army. Jewish kings have been forbidden to have chariots and horses, something which Shlomo seems to ignore later. Our chapter ends with the verse that when all the kings that were servants to Hadadezer saw that they were put to the worst before Israel, they made peace with Israel and served them. So the Arameans feared to help the children of Ammon anymore. It suggests that the war with Ammon will continue. Indeed, in tomorrow's chapter, the husband of Bathsheba will also fight against Ammon. But now Ammon will face the Israelite army without allies. Having beaten the Philistines, Moab, Edom, Aram, and with the Ammonites on the run, things seem to be rosy for David. But as we'll see in tomorrow's chapter, things are about to go downhill. I'd like to spend a few minutes discussing one of my favourite biblical characters, Yoav ben Seruya. Yoav has been with David since the beginning, fleeing from Shaul, being in Hebron, when he moves to Jerusalem, when he expands the borders of the kingdom. Yoav is in fact David's nephew. Seruya is David's sister. And I think, although I may be wrong, it's the only time in Tanakh that a person and his brothers are consistently described as the children of their mother rather than their father. Yoav is one of three brothers. The youngest is Asael, who, as we read earlier in Shmuel Bet, is killed by Avner when chasing after him. The other is Avishai, also from this chapter, who's with David when he gets Avner's spear in an earlier story with Shaul, and who's very temperamental. Yoav is a very controversial character. On the one hand, he's absolutely ruthless. As we've read, he kills Shaul's former chief of staff, Avner ben Ner, in chapter 3, when Avner tries to come over to David's side. He kills him in revenge for the death of Asael in chapter 2. And without too many spoilers, Yoav subsequently kills another army general, Amasa, in chapter 20. Amasa had been Avshalom's commander and was appointed by David as commander of his own forces after Avshalom's rebellion has been foiled. We should add that it has been foiled primarily by Yoav. And Yoav also kills or arranges the death of David's son Avshalom, even though David has given explicit orders against it. And on David's deathbed, David commands the new king Shlomo to make sure Yoav doesn't die naturally. David says he has blood guilt for the deaths of Avner and Amasa. Indeed, near the end of David's life, when he's finding it difficult to function, Yoav supports a son other than Shlomo to be king. 
he subsequently killed by Shlomo's chief of staff, Benaya, while grasping the altar, and is buried in the desert, seeming without any family nearby. The Ralbag, Gasonides, writes that Yoav was buried in the wilderness, which was a home fitting for him, for it would not have been appropriate for a man like him to be part of civil society, because he'd killed men by devious means and by deception. Throughout David's life, he complains, these B'nai Tzeruya kashim me many, the sons of Tzeruya are too hard for me. So why do I find myself so drawn to him? The other side of Yoav is that he's fiercely loyal to David and to the throne. He's an extremely efficient military commander, as we read today and in chapter 8. He's led numerous successful battles against Israel's neighbours. Gershon HaKohen, an IDF major general who's not religious, but is very fluent in biblical texts, describes Yoav as being ne'eman laderech, lo le'ish. He's loyal to a path, not to a person. And I think that's very true. Yoav in some ways actually shows greater loyalty to the idea of the throne or the Davidic line than David himself. Yoav's logic is cold and simple. If you reject David as king or rebel against him, you have to be killed. It doesn't matter whether you're the king's son of Shalom or a famous army commander of Ner. And Yoav also plays another crucial role. He puts David in his place when necessary. Looking through the story of David in its entirety, I think he's maybe criticised by three people. One is Michal, his wife, who he argues with and subsequently shuns. Another is Natan, the, the Navi, the prophet, who he listens to. I have sinned, David says, after the story with Bathsheba. The third is Yoav. But it doesn't just happen once. It happens numerous times. And as we'll read in the following chapters, Yoav doesn't just criticise David. He tells him what to do, and David listens to him. He's the only person who dares to go into the home of the king and seriously criticize him. After Avshalom's rebellion, when David is moping that his son is dead, Yoav even threatens that he and the army will leave David unless he pulls himself together. He says the following, Today you've shamed the faces of all of your servants, who this day have saved your life and the lives of your sons and daughters, the lives of your wives and the lives of your concubines, in that you love those that hate you and hate those who love you. This is what he says to the king. And the king listens to him because Yoav is right. And lastly, Yoav is also part of a terrible order that David has given him something so dreadful that it will affect the rest of David's life. And it's unclear whether anyone else in the entire kingdom, apart from Natan the prophet, knows about this or knows for certain about this. And that's something we will read about tomorrow.